for watching About Sports. Make sure to leave a like and a follow so you're alerted every time we upload a new podcast. Without further ado, let's get right into things. Well, welcome back to About Sports. Uh, man, such a great weekend so far here for sports in, in Memphis, sunny and 75. Such a great day here on this Monday, September 21st, 2020. I, I had a great weekend. Uh, my mom's birthday was this weekend. Her birthday is on September 19th. And then we have a cousin's birthday on September 20th. And then it's my birthday and my dad's birthday uh, it's pretty cool we get to share the same birthday, but our birthday is today on this Monday, and just absolutely beautiful weather. Sports this weekend was phenomenal. I mean, wow, we were treated this whole weekend with some phenomenal sports, and I, overall, this Monday, I'm having a real good day. Uh, a lot of good people have sent me happy birthday, uh, not that anybody who has sent me happy birthday is a bad person, but just a lot of people have sent me happy birthday. A lot of people have made sure this day has been special. I mean, I had wings in a park earlier with some of my ministry school friends, uh, and that was absolutely incredible. You ever heard of anybody having wings in a park? No, not me, but it was, man, America. That's America in a nutshell. What a great week we had uh, in sports this weekend, and Man, just absolutely beautiful weather. I You can make a whole podcast about this weekend. Just phenomenal. But we got to dive right into things here. Uh, some some heavy conversation here to start off this podcast episode. Um, late last week, the NBA released their awards, the voting process for their awards and who voted for who and how many votes this person got and such forth. And John Morant was one vote away from being unanimous rookie of the year but there was one person who voted for zion williamson one person this guy goes by the name of joe cowley i hope that's how you pronounce his name and this was his reasoning for choosing zion williamson who only played 24 games this was his reasoning for choosing zion over john morant he said this on twitter Jaw is a transcendent player. No arguing that. But the rookie of the year should go to the most impactful, okay? That's John Morant. The NBA built a TV schedule around Zion and expanded a bubble for Zion. His 24 games were must-see TV. I'll take that 24 and change PER and stand on that side of history. This Joe Cowley guy, he also voted for Patrick Beverly as Defensive Player of the Year, which is laughable to me. Now, I'm not bashing Mr. Joe here at all. I'm not saying he's a terrible person, but I highly, highly, highly disagree with his pick. Look, can Memphis not just have the benefit of the doubt? Can we not give Memphis the credit they deserve? You say, you say Zion's 24 games were must-see TV. You know how many Zion games I watched out of those 24? Three. Three. I watched his first game. I watched a game he played against the Grizzlies, and I watched him in another game in the bubble just because it was the only game that was on. It wasn't must-see TV for me. 
and I'm I'm just now getting into the NBA. This is my second year really trying to learn the system, learn the league. This is my second year really learning the players and the players' names and who's good and who's not good. I mean, obviously, like, I know of the big names, LeBron James, Paul George, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Like, I know those guys. But can we just be honest here for a second, Mr. Joe? The rookie of the year should go to the most impactful did you not watch a single Grizzlies game? Did we not watch the same Jaw Morant? Because I can't tell you, I can tell you this, Mr. Joe, if you were at any of the Grizzlies games when Jaw was playing, the moment he stepped on the court, the energy changed. Like if he had taken a couple of minutes off and he was getting some rest, and the moment he stepped on the court, everybody knew Jaw Morant was on the court. Did we not watch the same Jaw? I mean, this is a John Morant that I saw driving in on the paint with anybody he wanted to. This is a John Morant who had some of the best passes I've seen in a Grizzlies uniform in a long time. And your argument is the NBA built a TV schedule around Zion. And Zion underperformed for him. He had some good games. He really did. But just because they built a TV schedule around them doesn't mean your vote should instantaneously go to them. The NBA has a TV schedule around LeBron James. And those voters chose to give Giannis the MVP. Just because the NBA schedules something around a specific player doesn't mean that they are instantaneously awarded Rookie of the Year. Now, Rookie of the Year is... The best rookie. You take John Morant away from the Grizzlies and you put him anywhere else. I guarantee you John Morant is still going to make the same exact plays he did at the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know. I mean, the fact that you voted for Patrick Beverly as Defensive Player of the Year. My goodness. We should have just voted Paul George as MVP, huh? My gosh. Mm. John Morant, congratulations, man. Uh, what, what a year it was for you, watching you, and you are Rookie of the Year. Uh, there's nothing to be upset about here other than the fact you were one vote away from being unanimous Rookie of the Year. But, man, well-deserved John Morant. Absolutely great year. What a, what a player. Uh, I hope the Grizzlies, as a Grizz fan, I hope we can keep him, and I hope we can put together a, a championship-caliber team. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas and – Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, those guys are good. Uh, so, man, I, I hope the Grizzlies can eventually do it. Um, I don't know if we ever will, but if we do, I know Memphis will erupt and this place is going to go crazy, kind of like New Orleans did when the Saints won the Super Bowl. But, man, moving over to uh, NFL, what a week we had. Lots of great games. I mean, it was like field goal Sunday, it seemed like, yesterday. Uh just a lot of good games, and, and if I can say one thing, there's not one good team in the NFL except the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, everybody is really beatable. Everybody. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens have made the two teams they've played look like a fool, and a lot of people are saying, well, that's because their two teams aren't good. You're telling me Deshaun Watson and those Houston Texans aren't a good team? Deshaun Watson is a phenomenal quarterback, and yet that Baltimore Ravens defense made him look like a fool. I, 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 the Baltimore Ravens are a good team. So are the Kansas City Chiefs. But, man, I mean, just what a great week we had in the NFL. 
talking, let's talk about the Cowboys game a little bit. Uh, as you guys know, if you listen to the last episode, I said if Dallas loses to the Falcons this Sunday, they have officially entered rebuild mode. Uh, and you can do a rebuild in a couple of years and do it successfully. It doesn't have to be a whole 10-year process. It doesn't have to be a Miami Dolphins process. Uh, I look at teams like the Chiefs, and I said this even on that last podcast, when they went out and got uh, Patrick Mahomes and then they released Alex Smith. Like I look at the Chiefs and how they rebuilt in those two years, and their second year they won a Super Bowl. Like It's very capable of rebuild being a year where you're kind of like good, but you're eh, you're not there yet, and then the next year coming back being Super Bowl caliber team. Like it's very possible to do that, and that's what I meant when I said Dallas Cowboys would have to go into complete rebuild mode. Now, obviously, if Dallas didn't play any different after changing the team, if that were to happen, then you're in like complete strip the whole organization down, keep two players, and just rebuild the whole entire roster. Uh, but Dallas, what a what a game Sunday. Uh, if there's anything I learned from Dallas in the first quarter, it's it was this. I did not know Dallas was the worst football team in the NFL. Not even in the NFL, the worst football team in the world. I mean, they looked absolutely pathetic in that first quarter. Four fumbles. The ball was just punched right out of their hands. I mean, good grief, and I got on Twitter during this game a lot, and I got on Twitter after the game, but during the game, there was a lot of backlash on Dak Prescott, and even afterwards, there was a lot of backlash on Dak Prescott saying, franchise quarterbacks don't let the organization go 0-2. I had a friend who said that. I also heard people saying Dak Prescott isn't the answer the Cowboys need. Did you watch the same game as I did? If anything, Dak showed that he is more than capable of being a franchise quarterback. Now, I got to tell you something. The past few years, I have praised Dak and I've also bashed Dak. But every year since his rookie year, he's gotten better. We've seen his stats go up. We've seen him play with better intensity. We've seen him be more accurate. We've seen him throw less interceptions. I mean, Dak is poised and he doesn't give up. One thing I noticed late in the first quarter and early in the second and for the rest of the game, but specifically late in the first quarter and early in the second, when the Cowboys were moving it with tempo, they stopped doing the huddle and they started going no huddle and playing with tempo and it got the energy back up. But before they had walked out there on that drive, Dak jogged out there like the score was 0-0. And I said, Dak's about to do something here. I could just see it. And Dak just started unloading. Dak showed us some big Dak energy. I mean, every Cowboys fan I knew, as we were sitting there watching Dak get heated up, and Dak was starting to cook, and we were watching this offense do their thing, and they stopped running on first down all the time, which was a big problem, and they used a little bit of play action, which the Falcons were killing them with. It was like Dallas didn't know play action works. It's like Dallas had completely eradicated it from the playbook. I'm sitting there thinking, are we ever going to go a play action here on first down? Everybody's expecting us to run with Zeke. Anyways, Dak, he was determined. He was poised. He didn't throw an interception. He made right decisions. I mean, he kept that game alive. He was sacked once. I think maybe twice. One time he was sacked with that terrible, terrible offensive line. 
Every other time, Dak did what he needed to. He threw the ball away. He had the one fumble, and he was trying to throw the ball away, and he couldn't get it out. Other than that, Dak did exactly what he needed to. 450 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, if you were saying Dak Prescott can't be a franchise quarterback, then you didn't see when Dak Prescott at the goal line got absolutely ran over by an Atlanta Falcons defender. They took him into the tent for a percussion protocol, came back the very next play, and ran it in for a touchdown. That's a franchise quarterback to me. A franchise quarterback is the one who looks at his team in the huddle and says, we're going to win this thing when you're down 20 nothing." A franchise quarterback is someone who doesn't just throw it deep because you're down 20 nothing trying to force a play to happen. No, let's be consistent. Let's get some first downs and let's play with tempo. Let's get back on our feet. Let's not try to score it all back in one play. Let's do it like this. And I also got to say, I was bashing Mike McCarthy a little bit last week. Is he a fraud? Is he who he says he is? And there were some questionable play calls there and again, week two for Dallas. I mean, the two, the two old fake punts, can I be honest? The second one was marvelous. Your first one flopped. They're not expecting you to go back and do it again. They're like, that was pathetic. Don't even try it again. The way your game's going, you don't even need to try it. And they did. And guess what? It worked if the wide receiver who was playing at wide receiver just catches the ball. Then Mike McCarthy seems like a genius for allowing this play to happen. But I got to tell you something. That Cowboys team, when they when they play to the standard that everybody thought they were going to be at, and we saw a lot of it there in the second half, they can be scary good this year. And I got to say this, Zeke is a great running back, but is he worth having on the team? He makes a lot of big plays. He can sit there and he can be the aggressor, but I saw Zeke more than one play when he didn't get the ball or if it was a run to Tony Pollard, put his hands on his hips and not even block. Is Zeke really worth having on the team? I mean, when you look at 2014 Dallas Cowboys and DeMarco Murray, what was so special about DeMarco Murray? He could hit the holes. How were the holes there? That offensive line. That offensive line now has deteriorated. It's old. It's rough. It's beat up. Dallas can win with an average running back. Now, I like Zeke. Zeke is a great back. But if Zeke is going to contribute to the team like that with his hands on his hips and just going to look dumbfounded at the fact that he fumbled the ball twice, is he worth having on the team? I'll say this, if the Dallas defense can straighten themselves out and they get a couple of these free agent signings that they brought in last week, like Ronald Leary, right guard on the offensive line for some depth, I think Dallas can be scary. If, if I'm Dallas and, and if, if I'm Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones, I'm trying to make one reasonable trade with any team to get a better player on the defense. I would give up a left tackle, Tyron Smith, and a second-round pick for a really good defensive player and a really young left tackle. Heck, I'd even give a second and a third and Tyron Smith for it. Because this Dallas team has all the potential in the world. I mean, what are the odds that Dallas is going to have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb next year? 
I mean, Michael Gallup's almost due a contract. You got to give Dak a contract. So if I'm Dallas, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to make some cap room. I mean, Tyron Smith takes up a lot of cap, and he's a really good player, but he's so old. He's so old, and I love Tyron Smith. He's a really good left tackle. But if I'm Dallas, I'm making this trade. And you're saying, well, why would you make that trade? Are you so sure Dallas is that good? Here's the deal. When we saw Minka Fitzpatrick last year go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, he instantaneously made an impact with them. He won two games by himself with the interceptions he got. Two games. If I'm Dallas, I'm looking at my team and I'm looking at that game Sunday. I'm saying, okay, we do need to make a trade to make this happen. I mean, when Dallas made the Amari Cooper trade, that turned around their whole season. It shook up their whole season. Why not do it again but on defense? Invest in the defense. Invest in a team. Not just stars. You've got the stadium. You've got the roster. Invest in the depth. Invest in the talent. Invest in the potential. Not in just the Jamal Adams. Do I think an Earl Thomas on this team would help? Yes, but who's under Earl? Go out and invest in this team. Make a trade for a good safety, a good corner. Anything on that defense, a good defensive lineman, a good linebacker to help out Jalen Smith since Leighton Vanderesh is out anything like that go make a trade get someone good on the defense and let's see what happens I'll tell you Diggs played a good game Sunday too Diggs played a phenomenal game but my goodness anything could happen this season don't count Dallas out just because they lost to the Rams week one and because they almost lost week two now I think Dallas will lose Sunday uh to the Seattle Seahawks but I'm not shocked if they don't. I'm not shocked if they don't. I think Dallas can win that game. I don't think they will, but I think they can. So don't be shocked if they do. But, man, the NFL is going to be wild this year. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, did anybody watch him? Ryan Tannehill has impressed me a lot these first two weeks of the season. I bug the mess out of my Titans fans, uh, my friends who are fans of the Titans. I bug the mess out of them about re-signing Ryan Tannehill. And they did not like it either. But I have to say, the man has been throwing some absolute dots. Not dimes, dots. He's thrown dimes too, but he is throwing dots. And like, what's the difference? Like, he a dime to me is like a lob. Like, he's throwing an absolute dime there. But he's throwing some bullet passes that are just absolute dots. He is hitting people in stride. I, I mean, four touchdowns, 250-plus passing yards. That's a really, really, really good quarterback. And Derrick Henry, they won without Derrick Henry having a good game. We didn't think they could do that with Ryan Tannehill. But they did. Look out. I mean, a lot of people are overlooking the Tennessee Titans. I want to remind them, the Titans got better this offseason, not worse. They lost a couple of pieces, but overall, they didn't lose a lot. And Mike Vrabel is a really, really good coach. They were 9-7 and seven at the AFC Championship game last year. 9-7. and seven. They beat the New England Patriots in New England. And they beat the number one seeded team, Baltimore. In Baltimore. Mike Vrabel's a good coach. And, you know, every year you have a team that did well in the playoffs that... 
doesn't really backtrack, but they do even better the next year. I'm looking at the Titans, and, I, and that could be them. It's between the Titans and the Ravens. Right now, it looks like the Ravens, but the Titans are playing consistent football. Their defense has got to get better, uh, but they signed Jadavian Clowney. That man will make an impact when the game matters. I promise you that. I mean, the NFL this year, guys, if you are a sports fanatic and you're looking to get into the NFL, now's the year to do it. I know a lot of people would say, oh, I don't know about that. COVID's kind of ruined it. I, don't be so sure of it. I mean, Jared Goff, he had another great week. There's no telling what's going to happen this NFL season. I mean, Jared Goff is a good quarterback, but nobody expected the Rams to be 2-0. At least I didn't. Maybe you did. I didn't expect the Rams to be 2-0. There were too many questions on that offense. There were too many questions about the play style they were going to do. How is Jared Goff going to be able to play to Sean McVay's play style? There were too many questions. And Jared Goff, he's he's throwing it with the best of them. He's throwing it with the Drew Breeses and the Russell Wilsons and the Tom Brady's. I mean, he is looking like an MVP candidate. And let me just go ahead and talk about MVP candidates. I'll give you four players that I'm looking at right now that could be MVP candidates. Number one, the guy who I think deserves it and who I think is going to win it, Russell Wilson. The man has thrown nine touchdowns in two games. That's really good. Second quarterback I'm looking at is Drew Brees. The man is phenomenal. He should have been in the question every year of his career. I'm just kidding, maybe not. But my gosh, Drew Brees, phenomenal. And of course, you look at Lamar Jackson. He's in the case as well. And I'm either going to give the fourth to Josh Allen or Dak Prescott. Dak didn't have garbage time yards. Josh Allen didn't have garbage time yards. I mean, those are two good quarterbacks. Jared Goff, he's got to do a couple of more things to prove it to me. But the fact that Dak came back from being down 20 nothing, that's good. And the fact that Josh Allen can run and throw, and he, I, I mean, just watch Josh Allen play. It took like three guys to tackle that man. And then he goes down the field and throws a dot. I mean, he, he's a really good player. Again, sports this weekend was great. Uh, switching it up to college football, uh, the Miami versus Louisville. Man, what a game that was for Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Miami is really good. Derek King, Miami's quarterback, reminds me a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean in capital letters, A-L-O-T, a lot of Kyler Murray. And their running back, Cameron Harris, that boy has NFL written all over him. I was watching him early in the first quarter. He ripped off a 38-yard run, and he didn't raise his hand for a sub after that. And keep in mind, this wasn't just like a little jog. Like, the man was sprinting down the sideline. And after the play was over, he didn't raise his hand for a sub. He went right back to the huddle and ran it right afterwards. He ran that 38-yard play and then stayed in there for two more plays. He kept his feet moving. He read the holes in the defense really well, and he's elusive and he's fast. He's not just quick, he is fast. If he gets up to his top speed, good luck catching him. I know there was a lot of talk on Twitter and, and a little bit of the ESPN guys of OSU, Oklahoma State, being a dark horse in college football this year. They've got a lot of good members. They've got a lot of good uh, team like building stuff going on there, a lot of good players. But I'm not so sure Miami isn't a dark horse candidate. I mean, they looked really, really good. De'Eric King, I, I think it was a play in the second second quarter. It might have been. It was. I remember there was just 10 minutes and 38 seconds. 
and the pocket had broken down and he, he, he extends the play and there's a guy right in him and he launches this 36 yard pass to the sideline and it was an absolute dot. It was an absolute dime. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful pass. And I looked at my dad and I said, this Miami team's good. They're good up front. They're really stacked at the running back position. And they've got a lot of good wide receivers that make a lot of cool catches. And that defense, that defense looks like the old Miami Hurricanes defense. Countless turnover after turnover in that game. I mean, looking at Miami's remaining schedule, they got Florida State next week, which I hate to hear Mike Norvell diagnosed with COVID-19. If you're a Florida State fan, give Norvell some time. If you don't think he's the guy, uh, you're wrong. Look what he did to Memphis. Give him some time. Let his recruits get in there. I know the, the... First week was a little rough, but give Mike Norvell some time. He is a really good coach. But Miami, I got him winning that game. And this is where it gets interesting for Miami. Week four for them. They go against Clemson. Now, I know what you're thinking, L. Like, you just you just hear Miami and you're like, L. But let me tell you something. This Miami team is really, really good. I'm not just making it up. They're good. And I'll, I'll say this. The knock on Miami is their discipline. They, they were somewhat undisciplined in the game against Louisville, but there were a couple of questionable calls by the refs as well that I wouldn't have called of unsportsmanlike or anything like that. But if, if Miami can fix their discipline and they play like they played against Louisville, I'm not so sure Clemson just rolls over Miami, and I'm not so sure Clemson wins that game. I think they will, but that's going to be a tough game. And you got Miami at Pitt's uh, – Pittsburgh comes to Miami. I think they'll win that. They Miami plays Virginia. I think they'll win it. North Carolina State, it's a win. Then they play Virginia Tech. That's going to be a really good game. November 14th, Miami versus Virginia Tech. I, I'm looking in at that game. As a college football fan, I'm watching that game. Because if Miami does beat Clemson, then that's, that's, that's one of the bigger games Miami's got to win. If they don't, Miami's got to win that game. I mean, that Virginia Tech game is going to its gonna speak a lot of Miami season. It's going to be the make it or break it. Then they play Georgia Tech after that. Then they play Duke. Then they play Wake Forest. I mean, that's three easy L's. I mean, dubs right there, not L's. And then they have their last game against North Carolina, who I quite frankly think is overrated right now. I think North Carolina is going to be good, but a lot of people have them at 11 overall. 11. You've got them in the 11th ranking. I think they're going to be good, but they're not even top 15 good. They're top 20. They're the bottom half. I'd put them in at 21 or 20 and be comfortable with it. Not 11. But yeah, look out, Miami. Even if they're a one-loss team and they can somehow manage to sneak into the playoffs or anything, it's not a team I want to see. That's a great team. That is a great team. I think college football is better when Miami's better. I, I really think they are. Uh, college football's changed a lot. A lot of talk about it this week as well. SEC opens up, and I've had a lot of friends say, what's Bama going to look like? I'm an Alabama fan, for those of you who don't know, and people talk about, is Bama going to win it this year? And I'll, I'll say this. When Ohio State wasn't playing, I was like, yeah, I think it's going to be Bama's year. Bama set up. They had a lot of good seniors come back, and a lot of people aren't giving Bama the credit. And I know, I know, I know, being a Bama fan, I'm not just being the obnoxious Bama fan, but Alabama had four or five seniors come back that were major key. 
offensive linemen, defensive players that didn't go to the draft. They're coming back one year, and I think people are just overlooking that. Don't overlook it. I'll say this. Alabama's not going undefeated. I don't think there's going to be an SEC team that goes undefeated. Alabama opens up against Missouri at Missouri. They'll probably all these SEC teams are probably going to allow some type of fans. Then they go. Then they play Texas A&M. They play Ole Miss. They play Georgia. From Georgia, they go to Tennessee. From Tennessee, they play Mississippi State. From Mississippi State, they play LSU at LSU. Then they play Kentucky. Then they play Auburn, and then they play Arkansas. Alabama doesn't have an easy schedule, and I'll be the first to say this. If I think there's a team that can go undefeated in the SEC, I do believe it's Alabama. I believe uh, Georgia lost too many pieces. I believe that LSU lost way too many pieces. I think LSU will be good. I think Georgia will be good. I think Alabama might lose one of those games. Who knows? But I'm not so sure that any team in the SEC is going undefeated but if I had to choose a team it's Alabama they've got a lot of people coming back they didn't lose a bunch of players I choose Alabama Alabama I'm telling you this Alabama could very well be upset by Tennessee very well could be Alabama say they beat Georgia they turn around and they travel to Tennessee that's going to be a tough game that's going to be a tough I mean this whole season SEC teams are tough even the worst of them, they're tough. And Alabama doesn't have that many of the worst ones. You've got Missouri. I mean, they're decent. Texas A&M, they're good now. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin's there. Hello? Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin is a good coach. Georgia speaks for itself. Kirby Smart's there. Tennessee, Pruitt, they're going to be good. They've got a lot of people returning there as well. And he just had a good recruiting class. Now, those recruits probably won't play, but Tennessee's going to be good here in a couple of years. Mississippi State, that might be the worst team Alabama plays besides Arkansas. And they play LSU. They're good. Kentucky, they're ranked 23 right now. Auburn, they're ranked number eight right now. And you got Arkansas. Arkansas, they could, I mean, they could flip it either way. They could have a good year as well. I mean, they, they had a couple of good games last year. So who knows? I've had a lot of people ask, is Alabama's dynasty dead? If Alabama doesn't win this the national championship this year, probably the dynasty's dead. But here's the thing that doesn't say that Alabama isn't a championship caliber team because they are. College football is so uniquely different now. You have way too many good teams now. We've been spoiled by dynasties in the NFL and the NBA and even with Alabama. We think that you're one of the best teams if you have a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but not all good teams have to have a dynasty. We've been spoiled by the New England Patriots with Tom Brady and the Golden State Warriors with Steph, Clay, I mean, and, and KD. We've been spoiled by that. We were spoiled by Alabama. Alabama just won the recruiting time and time again. Recruiting's different now. High schools have more technology these players coming out of high school are a lot more prepared for college football now than they ever were. So is Alabama's dynasty dead if they don't win the national championship this year? Yeah, yeah, maybe. But it doesn't change the fact that Nick Saban is due two or three more national championships before he retires. Doesn't change that fact. Doesn't change that fact. Switching up to the NBA, the last thing we're talking about today. I, what I tell what I tell you guys, Boston. 
Don't don't sell them out yet just because they were down 0-2. Uh, one, 117 to 106 totally dominated that game against the Heat. Uh, just totally dominated. Jason Tatum, 25 points. Jason Tatum was all over that court. 14 rebounds, 8 assists. Jalen Brown was dropping them. I mean, just what a game. What a game for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Overall, a great game. I, I think Boston takes game three. Uh, I think they tie it up 2-2. I think the Heat will come in and win that one 3-2. And I think Boston will win the last two. I don't see Boston winning three straight. I don't see Boston winning three straight. Uh, So I think Boston takes this series in a game seven. But, uh, man, I mean, even if they don't, I think this is going to be a really good series. I think it's going to go to a game seven regardless. Uh, Yeah, Boston did it. And the Nuggets. Uh, Anthony Davis, buzzer beater, man, devastating to see if you're a Nuggets fan. But uh, don't rule out the Nuggets. Uh, if they showed anything that game, they show that they're plenty of capable of beating the Los Angeles Lakers. They are capable of doing it. Don't rule them out. Don't rule them out. I, I, think, I think the Lakers win this in six. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep them, but I think the Lakers can win this in six. Uh, I think the Nuggets are just going to win two games against them, uh, and we almost saw it last night. Who knows? Maybe the Nuggets might come back from a 3-1 with LeBron. That would be a sight to see, would it not? But, yeah, overall, I mean, man, what a great weekend we had this week for sports. Uh, NFL, great time to start watching it. If you don't watch it, now's a great time. NBA, we're finishing up the final season we're in the western and eastern conference finals and soon before we know it we'll be here in the nba finals so anyways well that'll do it for today guys i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of about sports uh have some fun tonight uh let's watch some monday night football and man what a great week of sports well we'll see you back here on the next episode um until then i'm your host ab and i am out peace